Well, good morning. My name is Jan. Hello, Mountain Park. Uh, my name is Jan. I'm one of the pastors here, and, and I, I want to just first uh, invite you to a, a business meeting we're going to have after a third service today here at our church. And next week, we're going to vote on some stuff, our, our budget and our board. And so uh, we're having an informational meeting today. You can find out more about that after the third service today here at the church. Now, I'm really excited to be here as we continue uh, our series in identity. And I want to reiterate something that Alan's been saying each, each week he's been up here, which is that this is really a five-week journey. It's, it's not one where, where each message stands alone. They all weave together. And so we invite you and ask that you would come to every uh, Sunday while we're doing this series, every message. And if you missed the first two, no problem. They're online. I would encourage you to go back and listen to those because what I say today is going to make a whole lot more sense when you've had a chance to listen to those. And so in week one, Alan talked about this idea of the identity crisis, that we don't know who we are. And because we don't know how, who we are, we don't know how to respond in, to our circumstances. And I think the problem is not only do we not know uh, what our identity is, a lot of times we don't even know what it means to have an identity. And so what happens is we end up defining ourselves by different components of our lives, different parts of our lives, right? By, our, by groups we belong to, by our, our nationality or our culture or our, our gender or, or, or by our affinities, by the things we like, like dog lover. I need dog lovers, not those. And, and cat lovers. How about cat lovers? Not as many. Cat lovers. Uh, how about fish lovers? Fish right? Or ASU fans, and ASU fans, or UA fans, or Husky fans. Yay, hey, there are some other Husky fans. Yay, I'm not alone, right? We define ourselves by these components of, um, of us, and it's like, uh, it's like we have this, this deck of cards. I have this deck here, but you know, these, these, these cards are too small. We need something a little bigger. We need something a little bigger. So let's see, here we go. There we go. It's like we have these deck, this deck of cards that, that, that makes up our life, right? And, and we have these different components, our, our emotions, our creativity, our successes, our failures, all the things that make up our lives. And, and each card represents one of those, but no one card defines the whole deck, right? And not only that, the, the question is, is not just what cards are in your deck, but how do you decide which card to play? How do you know which emotion, which, which choice to make? You know, the, the, each individual card can't tell you uh, what healthy boundaries are or, or, or when to say yes or when to say no. They're just one card. And your, but your identity was meant to be um, more than one card. It's meant to be the thing that determines how you play. Okay, your identity is not just um, your, your one individual thing. It's all of it. And it's a declaration of who you are and who you were meant to be. It determines, because I am this, I am going to play this card. And often we lack that. And so Alan talked in week two that sometimes because we lack that, what happens is we put on fake identities. And instead of, of telling people who we really are and showing them who we really are, we put up a mask telling them who we want them to think that we are. And it's like, it's like what we're doing is we're saying, uh, I'm going to show you this card right here, <laughs> the Joker. I like to call this the Allen card. <laughs> um, you know, or I'm going to show you this card. This is I'm a really funny card, or I'm going to show you this card, but I'm going I'm to keep the rest hidden. And, and so our identity changes from situation to situation, depending on which card we show, and we have no fixed identity. It's just fluid. 
And I don't know about you, but this has happened to me in my life. When I was um, in college, I lived with a guy, a really good friend of mine, his name was Rob, and Rob was half Korean, and his mom was full Korean, and so she would make us some awesome Korean food, some dishes that I had never had before. And so I got introduced to kimchi, and I found that I love kimchi. I can't find a good place to buy kimchi in Arizona, but I love it. And there was a dish called Psalm that I loved. And, and then one day he has this orange Tupperware, this orange Rubbermaid Tupperware. And he says, Jan, you have to try this. It is so good. We eat it growing up. It's, it's one of our mom makes it. It's so awesome. And I'm like, yeah, great. I'd love it. Let me, show, let me see it. So he opens the top of that container. And this is what it looks like. And I have no idea what the, those things are. When I'm looking at them, all I know is that there's tiny little eyes that are staring at me and, and tiny little heads. And in so those, inside those tiny little heads are tiny little brains. And there's tiny little bodies with tiny little bones and tiny little hearts. And I'm like, no, I don't want any of that. But thank you very much for offering. And so he says, oh, no, no problem. And he puts the lid on and he, he puts it away. So then a couple weeks later, there's a couple cute girls in our room. And he says, hey, I've got this great dish. You should see this. My mom makes it, it's so good. And she pulls it out, he pulls it out and he shows it to these girls. And you know what these girls do? Oh, that looks good. So do you know what Dion does? You're right, it is really good. You should have some. And I grab a handful of these squirmy little things and I pop them in my mouth. I'm like, oh, this is great. Let me have another one, huh? Okay. So who, who, who am I? Am, am I a guy that likes to eat little tiny fish that stare at me? Or am I not? The truth is, I was a guy who made a decision based on what I wanted in that individual moment. Isn't that how it goes, that our choices are driven by what we desire in any given, not only by what we desire, but what we fear, because for every desire, there's a fear that we won't have it, right? So it wasn't just in that moment. I, I don't know that I thought in my head, if I eat these, suddenly these girls will see me with a whole lot more muscles, <laughs> right? As much as I said, man, if I don't eat them, I don't know. Maybe they won't, maybe, well, I don't know what they'll think of me if I don't. So there's this fear of, of maybe they won't like me. And so, so then I eat. And, and these, these desires and these fears, they, they, they tend to drive our behavior without even thinking. I, mean, I didn't stop to assess whether or not I was making the right choice. I just responded. And, and what happens is these desires, desires and fears, they become the things that control what card we play. And they're the ones that are deciding what we do. Now, in that particular story, you know, I played what I like to call the make girls like me card, Right? I need the queen of hearts or something here. We'll say the two of them. So we played, I played the, you know, I'm going to make girls like me card. Okay. In hopes that that, that is what would happen. But it didn't cause any damage, right? There's no harm, no foul. It's kind of funny story. But what happens when our desires and our fears lead us to make choices that are harmful to us or that are harmful to others? Because they do. A few years later, I, um, I met a girl who was just an amazing, amazing young lady. She, was, she was, had the same passion for the Lord that I did. She was, had a tremendous integrity, joy, creativity. She was beautiful inside and out. And she agreed to date me. And I, my mind, I mean, and, and, and I will tell you, I, I couldn't believe that, that of all the guys, she would choose to date me. 
It was amazing. And, and I, I liked her so much and, and, and that I could see a future with her. And, and I said, you know what, we're gonna date you even though we're long distance, even though I was living in an entirely different state. And so we dated. But while I was in that different state, I started working with this other girl. And this other girl did not share the same faith that I did. She was not someone that I wanted to be in a long-term relationship with, but she liked me. She liked me a lot, and she began to pursue me. And as she began to pursue me, and I had to, I had to figure out which card to play, my desires took over. And I ended up playing the make girl like me card again. And I got physically involved with her. And as I was driving home that night and I got back to the apartment, I was overwhelmed with the reality of what I had just done, that because I let my desires control my behavior, I had just ruined the best relationship I had ever had in my life. I had just thrown it away. And I had hurt not only myself, but two other people. Because when we live according to our desires and fear, they can lead us to decisions that hurt us and hurt others. But it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. We can have an identity that can lead us in every circumstance. An identity that, that not only shows us what the right thing to do is, but gives us the power to actually do it in any given situation. What if, what if we accepted that identity? What if our deck was so stacked with love and meaning that we didn't have to find it in other people or in our career or in how we feel or in how much money we make? What if our fears and our desires became just one more card in the deck instead of something that controls the deck? Today we're gonna talk about God's solution to our identity crisis. That God looks down on all this and he says, you do not have to live like that. You do not have to be a slave to your fears and your desires. You do not have to live with a fake identity at all. You can live with a new identity. I want to give you a new identity. An identity rooted in unshakable love so secure that you'll never need to pick up another mask. An, idea, an identity that does not depend on how you feel or what your circumstances are because that identity gives you the power to master your desires and your fears. So we're gonna look at that in John chapter one. If you have your Bibles here, you have them on your phone, I invite you to open it up, get it up to John chapter one. And I wanna give you um, some background. John here is, is starts by setting up Jesus's identity. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He's talking about Jesus as the Word, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. This is now he's going to what Jesus did. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And then further down in verse 14, he talks about how the Word, that is Jesus, became flesh and walked on the earth, and, and John and the other disciples, they saw him and they walked with him. But we're gonna pick up in verse 10 where it says he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now that is a shocking statement. It's easy to gloss over, but he came to his own and his own did not receive him. That's like, here's what that's like. That's like, I get done here today and I think I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna hug my wife, I'm gonna spend some time with my kids and then I'm gonna take a nap, it's gonna be awesome. So I go home and I, I go to my house and my doors are locked. And so I put my key in, but the key doesn't work and the locks don't work. So I knock on the door and my wife opens the blinds in the window next to the door and says, what do you want? 
And I say, what do you mean, where do I, it's me, I'm home. And she says, I don't know you. Who are you? I'm like, what do you mean? It's me. What, what do you? No, I don't know you. And then I hear my kids playing in the backyard. And so I go to my kids in the backyard and I say, hey, kids. And they all point at me and say, stranger, stranger danger. And my neighbor peeks over and says, stop harassing that family or I'll call the police. That's the picture that, they're, that he's painting right here, that John is painting, that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. They rejected him. Why? because they forgot who they were. They forgot that they were his own. They forgot that they were a people who were created, loved, protected, provided for by God. And because they forgot, that's the very reason that God, that Jesus came. And yet because they forgot, it's also the reason they rejected him. Yet, and I love when there's a yet in a situation like this, yet to those, to all, to all, in verse 12, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is God's solution to the identity crisis. No matter who you are, no matter what's in your deck, you can become a child of the Most High God. You can actually trade in your cards, every single one of them, and get a brand new deck. I want to, it's a beautiful, amazing offer, and I want to break down how it works. Now, first, there's an interesting word in there. He gave the right to become children of God. Now, that's interesting. Why doesn't he just say, to those who believe and received, they became children of God? If they believed, they became. It says, gave the right. That word is the word exousia, and it denotes having the power, the privilege, or the benefit. Having the, the privilege, the right to do something. And it, it, it's an acknowledgement that being someone's child gives you certain rights and certain benefits. Having someone as your father gives you certain benefits. My kids have inheritance rights. All of our kids, they have inheritance rights. That's a right. But there's other benefits. Because I'm their father, my kids have food. They can go to the refrigerator, the pantry, and they can have food. Because they're my kids, they have a roof over their head. Because they're my kids, they have a backyard to play in. Because they're my kids, they have birthday parties where I make up weird, wacky games with water balloons and stand on the roof. That's a story for another day. Right? Because I'm their dad, when we're driving to school, we tell stories and have an awesome time. Because I'm their dad, we have s'mores in our backyard. And, and you, you probably know this from your own life that who your dad is changes what your benefits or rights are, right? And you may have more or less depending on who your dad is. If my son, if one of my sons goes to an Arizona Cardinals game and Larry Fitzgerald's son goes to an Arizona Cardinals game, is their experience going to be the same? No! My, they're going to sit in entirely different places. My son's going to be way up in the nosebleeds. His son is going to have an all-access pass wherever he wants to go. The food they eat is going to be different. The people they meet is going to be, their experience is going to be markedly different because of who their dad is. And, and it's also, it's not just material things, it's also personal access. So we have these offices upstairs. And our offices have these big windows, both in the back and uh, the exterior windows and the interior windows, huge windows. And so sometimes I'll get really busy, and I'm sure you know how it is, you get really busy, and I, I don't want to be interrupted, so I shut my door. But because I have these big windows, um, people can look in, so I have to put on my busy face. Right? 
And, and, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm really busy, don't bother me, you know. And, and so as people come by, they peek in, oh, that's a busy face, maybe I'll, you know, or they peek in, they knock, and I'm like, oh, okay, I just gotta come in, so I'm busy. But when I hear my kids enter the building, and when you have five kids, you always hear them enter the building, <laughs> something changes. And all of a sudden, my mind thinks, Where's the chocolates I'm gonna give my three-year-old? Let me erase a spot on my whiteboard for my kids to draw on. Maybe I'm gonna hide hide in my desk so when my three-year-old comes in the door, I'm gonna jump out and tickle her. Or when my my six-year-old comes over, I'm gonna grab him and swing him around my chair. I don't do that for anyone else. (laughs) Except when Alan comes by, I might under my desk a little bit, but. I do that because they're my kids. And when they come into my office, they have my full attention. Everything else is set aside. And I'm there with them at that moment. And when you are a child of God and you come into his office, he gives you his full attention because there are rights and privileges that come with being a child of someone. And because he is God, the benefits and privilege that come with being his child are way more, way more than anything any earthly father could ever give us. God gives us an all-access pass to the kingdom of God. As his child, we have access to everything, to his character, to his patience, his mercy, his love, his kindness. We have access to forgiveness. We have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to its power in our lives. We have access to a future with him in eternity. How? How would you live your life differently if you believed that? If you truly believed that you had full access to everything in the kingdom of God. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every, every spiritual blessing in Christ. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We have everything in, as a child of God, we have access to everything we need. But notice something, there's a little word in there, it says, um, sorry, in, in 1 John 1.12, in, John 1, in that verse it says, to all did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Now, the fact that he has to give the right means we don't already have it. And I think sometimes that's, that's countercultural. That's hard for us to believe. We, I hear a lot of times people say, well, we're all children of God. And to a certain extent, I understand that to the extent that we are all made in God's image and that we're all valuable. Yes. But there's an underlying assumption in that phrase as well. That because of our very existence, that simply because we are here, That entitles us to all the rights and privileges of being God's child. And it doesn't. Let me show you what I mean. I cannot walk up to Bill Gates' house, or rather, Bill Gates' security outpost, and say, I'm Bill Gates' son, let me in. I cannot walk up to Bill Gates' bank and say, hey, I'd like to withdraw a couple million dollars. Actually, it's Bill Gates. Let's make it a couple billion dollars. If I take Bill Gates' credit cards and I go around and try and use them in stores, what's going to happen? Eventually, hopefully, I'll get arrested. Why? Because that's identity theft. When we take the privileges 
of being someone's son without taking them as our father, that's identity theft. And we try to do that with God sometimes. We say, I want all the privilege of being your child, but I'm not gonna take you as my father. What would it take for me to convince Bill Gates to make me his son? Because the only person who can give me the right to be Bill Gates' son is Bill Gates. He's the only one that can do it, and he gets to decide how he does it. So what would I have, what would I have to do? Is there anything that I could do to earn Bill Gates' love, to make him love me, not in, a, not in an abstract sense, but to make him actually love me so much that he would make me his, he would say, Jan, I love you so much. I want to make you my son. You can use my boats and my airplanes. What would it take? Is there any chance? No. I can't even get Bill Gates to see me. Okay? But, but God, who has way more than Bill Gates ever were, will, who, whose standard for behaviors and morality is way above what Bill Gates might ever think, calls us to be his children, says, I want you to be my child. I invite you to be my child. And he shows us how to make it happen in this verse, in John 1, sorry, in John 1, 12 still, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. Now this wording is very specific. We start with believe in his name. That's the word pistuo, believe. And it means to trust and to rely on. Not just to have an intellectual assent, but to actually rely on something being true. Let me demonstrate this. Hi, how are you? Do you believe that I can juggle? Yes. Okay, he believes that I can juggle. Great, awesome. You believe that I juggle. So, wonderful. I have some knives here. So would it be okay with you and really everyone around you if I just started just juggling right over? No, of course not. Because look, there's something very different between acknowledging that somebody has the, I'm gonna point with knives, between acknowledging that somebody has the ability to do something and actually relying on them to do it. There's a difference. And seeing that, and then that next word for name, believe in his name, is onima. And in this context, it refers to not only the actual name, but to the whole person, to, to their position and their title. And John already told us earlier of what Jesus is, was, what his identity was. He said he was with God and he was God. And so to believe in his name here is to trust and rely that on Jesus as God. And then there's this word receive. I love this word receive. It's the word lambano. I love that it's here that it says we need to receive him. It means to take hold, to lay hold of. It's used of what happens when a man takes his wife in the Bible and brings her into his home, brings her into his life. Because here's the thing. It's possible to agree that Jesus is who he says he is and keep him at arm's length. To say, sure, you, you believe that, but I just want you to kind of stay out there. Right? You, you, you might believe that, um, that I can manage a budget, which I can, but that would be entirely different than you giving me your credit cards, right? And so again, faith in Jesus isn't just about believing in his abilities. It's about letting him exercise his abilities, his love, his authority in your life. It's about letting him stack your deck 
and, and letting him say, this is the card that you need to play in this situation. See, to believe and receive in Jesus is to live like Jesus is God, not just out there, but in your life. And this is crucial because the general principle here, really, you guys, is that anything that you believe in and receive reproduces itself in you. And so you become a child of anything that you believe and receive because it reproduces itself in you. See, when I was younger, when I was really a teenager, I found my, my dad's stack of pornography magazines. And, and in that moment, I believed that they had something to offer me, that they could give me something. And so I looked at them. And, and as I was doing that, those images were going in as cards. And then later, they, and then they produced in me lustful thoughts. And then later, when I would see an attractive girl and I had to play a card, guess which card was played? Because whatever we believe and receive reproduces itself in us. And so that happens with Jesus. That's the good news, that when you take Jesus in, he reproduces himself in you. When you take in his love, his grace, his mercy, his patience, he makes you loving. He makes you more merciful. He makes you more patient. This is the promise of God, that if you receive and believe in Jesus, you gain all the privileges and all the benefits and the rights of being a, a child of the most high God. You have an all access pass to the kingdom of God. And not only that, but his love and his character come in to your life and they begin to change you and he reproduces himself inside of you. Why, why does he do this? Why? It's not because God likes handing out participation trophies saying, hey, just because you exist, let me give you this. It's because God loves us deeply. See, in, in 1 John 3, 1, it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. See, God offers to lavish love on us, to pour love into our decks. Now, I know some of you, some of you, mostly guys are going, lavish love, come on. <laughs> but here's the deal. If you don't receive God's love, you're gonna spend the rest of your life looking for it somewhere else. Now, God is the only one who can fill our deck. He's the only one who can transform us. But there's something that can actually prevent us from receiving the fullness of God's love. And I, and I don't mean like just refusing it. I mean something where, where, where we want God's in our life and we want our new identity, but there's something that maybe uh, short circuits receiving the fullness of his love. And, and, and what that is, is it's kind of a sense of entitlement. And I talked a little bit about this before. It's a sense that, that maybe I deserve this. That, that God's love isn't really a big deal because um, of course he loves me. It's obligatory. God has to love me. And when we do that, we shortchange the fullness of God's love. In Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. God shows us his love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You, you can only experience the fullness of God's love when you recognize how much you don't deserve it. 
When you say, yeah, I'm a sinner. And, and, and Jesus, it was why I was rejecting you, while I was turning away from you, that you died for me. Now, I know for some of you that sounds kind of churchy. So I want to help you maybe understand how powerful that is. You remember the story that I was telling about the girl that I was dating at the time. Well, when I got home, the Lord, I felt the Lord speak to me very clearly and say, Jan, you need to call her, the girl you're dating, and tell her what happened. And I'm like, no, this sounds like a terrible idea. And God says very clearly, Jan, you have to decide right now who you are. If you are my son, you will call, and God sometimes will speak this way to me. God's not afraid of speaking sternly to me. He says, Jan, if you are my son, you will call her and let her know what happened. And so I did. I said, okay, God, that's who I am. So I called up and I told her and I was bawling and I said, look, I'm not, I'm not asking you to forgive me. I'm not asking you to take me back. I, I, I know that I have ruined this. I just need you to know that I did it and I need you to know that I accept it and it's totally my fault and I'm sorry. And she interrupted me and she said, Jan, last night in the middle of the night, God woke me up and he said, you're gonna have to forgive Jan for something. And so just be ready. And so Jan, even though I don't feel it and even though it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel good, I forgive you. And I had a choice. I could say, no, I don't want your forgiveness. I'm gonna walk away. Or I could choose to receive it. And I did. And that act of love became the foundation of my 14-year marriage with my wife. Because in that moment, as my wife and as God through my wife expressed his love to me, he took that make girls like me card and he threw it away. And he took the am I good enough card and he threw it away. And he took the fear of you'll never be loved and he threw it away. And he took the, if everybody really saw who you are, they would not accept you. And he threw it away. This is how God works. I'm gonna invite our band to come out and play. I invite our prayer team to come down. And as they're gonna play a song in a little bit, and I want, because church is, is a place where not only we hear about God, but it should be a place where we respond to God. I want to give you a chance to respond. See, Jesus came to give you a new identity, and today you can trade out everything else that's in your deck for his love and his grace. And so we have these, these dog tags, and they say, child of God. 1 John 3, 1, which is the verse about how God lavishes his love on us. And our prayer team, they're gonna have these. And, and I want you, you can respond in a few ways. One, you can receive your identity. Maybe today for the first time you can say, you know what, I want to receive my identity as a child of God. And if you're thinking about that, I would say don't walk out today without doing that. And maybe even you're someone who's believed in Jesus and, and you've acknowledged it, but you've never really brought him into your life. You never really received his love and let him love you the way I had to let him love me. 
You can do that, come down today, the prayer team will give these to you and they'll pray with you. And then maybe you need to reclaim your identity. Maybe you've been a believer for a long time, but over the course of time, your deck has gotten stacked with other things. With concerns about the world, concerns about your finances, who knows, it's gotten stacked with other things and you need to reclaim and say, no, I am a child of God. I am no longer a slave to fear or a slave to my desires. I'm a child of God. And if that's you, then you can come up to the prayer team and they'll hand you and they'll pray for you. Now, you may, maybe you just need a reminder. You're following Jesus and things are going pretty well, but you need a reminder of your identity. Then you can pick this up. There's gonna be two folks uh, stationed by the, the windy stairs, the circular stairs, the white metal stairs. Um, and you can, you can just grab one on your way out. But the, the, the band's gonna play this song and I invite you right now during this song to respond to this invitation to come and receive or reclaim your identity. Let me pray. Lord, not a single one of us is so far from you that you can't reach into our hearts and just dump your love into us. So I pray in the Jesus and Jesus, and I ask your Holy Spirit to move today to give us the courage today and in the days to come to stand on our identity as children of God. Amen.